This is Dream Chasers with Adam Coswell. Whether it's with us or, or anyone that fill in the blank, right? Go for it. Invest in yourself to learn something that maybe you don't know and help you clear out those blind spots. And Welcome to the best ever show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm with today's guest, Adam Carswell. Adam is joining us from Tampa, Florida. He is the director of connections at raisingcapital.com where he has worked with over 600 capital raisers to help ensure his clients deals get funded over and over again. Adam, thank you for joining us. And how are you today? Ash, doing fantastic. Honored to be here. I want to applaud you and the entire team. I know what it takes to have a successful podcast and for you guys to really be the gold standard of this industry is very impressive. And I know it's not a one-man job. And so everything that you've done to get this show to where it is, it's just, I applaud you over and over. And I'm really looking forward to today. Adam, thank you for that. The credit just goes to Joe Fairless. He did over 1,500 episodes himself. And this is his platform. I am very privileged to be one of the hosts. But thank you again for that. And Adam, if you would, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Absolutely. And then even just some credibility there too with Joe. I finally got to meet him face-to-face at you guys' conference last year at Cotopaxi, which is like a little... They did the VIP session there. I can't remember if you were there, Ash, but it was cool to finally meet him. And again, someone who's just totally pioneered this space and changed a lot of things. But yeah, so my story goes... I was a college athlete, played basketball, ran track, September 2022, got the nod of being inducted to the Hall of Fame there at my alma mater. Shout out to Westminster College. Basketball kind of took me from university to a brief semi-pro career in Belize, Central America. Down there, I pursued a future in coaching, and then I realized pretty quickly that I didn't want to go that direction full-time. Basketball was just a cool ticket to get me to start traveling and seeing the world and get some new experiences. So I kind of pursued the American dream or the dream that my middle-class family kind of raised me for is you go to school, you get good grades, so you can get a good job. And then when you get a good job, you keep getting promoted. And then when you keep getting promoted, you pay higher taxes and you never get out of the rat race. And everyone's wondering, why didn't they read Rich Dad, Poor Dad sooner? So thankfully, at about age 26, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad twice. And I'm like, you know what? I got to get out of this rat race. I was managing stores for Sherwin-Williams in Washington, D.C. at the time. Had a great time, great career there. Learned a lot of basic business principles, but just knew that there was a ceiling and I I wanted to put myself in a position where the only ceiling would be me. So became a realtor with Remax Distinctive in McLean, Virginia. That was awesome. Was there for two years. So during my time at Remax Distinctive, my broker played a, a huge role in my personal development. And I started going down all the YouTube university rabbit holes. And I find an interview with this guy who many of you know, That's how I met Hunter Thompson, who I work with now. He was on an interview talking about raising capital, talking about mobile home parks, self-storage, things that I, as a resident, new residential realtor, you didn't even know this side of the business existed. So I reached out to him. I'm like, man, can you please teach me? At this point, Hunter probably raised about 20, 25 million. He didn't have any type of educational platform or anything. And the story goes, he actually tried to stay away from this side of the business just because he, he did not want to put his private equity brand anywhere near education, just from his own personal bad experiences. But I would say being the reluctant hero that he is, I was the straw that broke the camel's back, went through some of his mentorship, and that snowballed into a really strong working relationship that we've been working together for six years now. And I became really the lead 
salesperson, if you will, of anything that comes to raisingcapital.com education. So went through the course and now we have a mastermind. Raise Masters, the number one mastermind for elite capital raisers, where to your point, I've worked with over 600 capital raisers now and just people in the industry helping them build an online presence that attracts cold leads and converts them to $100,000 investors. So if you would have told me I'd be sitting here six years ago, I don't know what I would have believed, but it's, it's been a pretty, pretty cool rocket ship journey and in many ways feel like we're just getting started. That's an interesting rise up in the real estate world, Adam. What brought you on this show today? Why are you here? Well, I'm here to let our audience know, like if you are looking for a tool, a resource, a playbook, or really I would say most importantly, a network of like-minded real estate entrepreneurs, primarily raising capital, we've built a community that we can confidently say there's just no other room like it in the industry. And so we want to be able to help already successful entrepreneurs and people who are looking to raise equity, just get to that next level as, as quickly as possible. And we have a lot of different tools and and resources that we use to help facilitate that. As an LP, how do you know that the person that is your capital raiser has the integrity that they should have in deals? And I'll share some stories with you. We do retail, industrial, office development. We do a lot of non-multifamily assets. And Over the years, I've had a lot of capital raisers approach me and say, Ash, we'd love to have our investors get into your deals. Or they would say, I want to invest in some of your deals. But when we have a deal that we're raising for, a lot of these capital raisers will come to us and say, okay, look, I want 30% of the GP. We don't ever do that. We don't give away GP. But they will say, okay, fine. I just want my investors to get into your deal. Can we do that? Can you allocate some amount for me? Because they really want exposure to retail or industrial or suburban office or whatever it is. And we'll agree on the surface, but we've never accepted money from capital raisers. And the real reason is they don't do any due diligence on me. And I see their marketing materials. They tell their investors that they do all this due diligence. They vet the sponsor. They vet the deal. They do as much due diligence as we do. And none of that is true. And I've got a real problem with that because they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. They're making a hell of a lot of money off of their passive investors. And I'm blown away because, look, you didn't ask me to do a background check. You didn't ask me to go get fingerprinted. You didn't ask me about my historic deals. Have I ever lost money? Have I ever lost investor capital? You didn't even ask me about the nuances on this deal. All you want to know is IRR, what your potential fee could be, or how much meat on the bone there is so that you can take some off the top before it hits your investors. And- I've got a problem with that. Now I know there's a number of capital raisers that are on the up and up and they're very transparent, but I think that entire industry has a a fair number of bad apples in it that have caused me to feel this way. I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, such a good question. And we can look at it this way too. Like we said, just coming into the show, you have and are associated with a brand that needs probably the most protection out of any other brand in our industry, right? You can't just be working with anyone who comes through the door. And you're right, it's kind of disrespectful if someone's going to come to you in that regard and not do their homework on you, Ash. You have to be prepared to say no in your shoes. And so I think what I was coming to mind for me at first when you mentioned that is 
as the person in this case, as the individual approaching you wanting to raise equity for one of your deals, Ash, you have so much information on the internet that they could easily spend a couple days, maybe ideally like a week, really researching you and getting to know you. And that's what we want to help our clients do as well, is just build up so much information and education for someone who does not know you to go from cold to raving fan. And so kind of a roundabout way of answering it. But number one, whether you're an LP or looking to partner with someone to do a deal, and it's someone who has hundreds of hours of information and content on the internet, you have to know Ash so well that by the time you get on the phone with him, you can be like, I heard you said that you had a fantastic bottle of Coca-Cola on the beach in Mexico three years ago. Like That's the type of stuff that creates buy-in, really being obsessed with who it is that you've been called to serve. So for what it's worth, I think that's number one. If you're going to be an LP approaching someone that you want to invest in, or if you're a capital raiser that wants to work with Ash, you got to got to do your homework in order to build some form of credibility. And you, Ash, owe your people to have that information out there as you do. Adam, is your ideal client a capital raiser or is it a syndicator that wants to work with capital raisers? We have a pretty solid mix of both in our network. And so as of this recording, we have about 350 clients. A couple months ago, we were always surveying, interviewing, polling our members, seeing where we can optimize, what we can do better, who's doing what. And we estimate, again, as of right now, Raise Masters, we have about 120 pure capital raisers in this group, in this network, meaning you are someone who has a quality deal and you want to get it in front of someone who could potentially bring one, two, three, four, five million to your deal, then this is a great fit for you. If you're someone who wants access to institutional quality deals and you do want to simply play the role of placing that capital into the deal, then again, this is a great fit for you too. We have service providers as well many of which I'm sure people on the show are working with right now that are active members in Raise Masters simply because they want to have their dream clients at their fingertips as well. If I'm an LP that just wants a variety of deals to look at that I could passively invest into, can I come to your platform, take a look at what's out there? 100%. I just love the way that you're approaching this and thinking it through because Quite frankly, I think it's an angle that maybe we haven't even really tapped into yet on the marketing front, which is there is a barrier to entry here, right? It's low five-figure investment to get in. And so having that barrier to entry and having people literally bought into doing this, generally speaking, brings the quality of the deal higher. So if you're an LP who wants to see how a lot of these people you see on LinkedIn are working behind the scenes, there's no better way to reverse engineer that experience than being in a network of people who are doing it on a daily basis. Is there a fee if I'm an LP and want to look at all the deals that are out there? Right. So we are straightforward on this. It's whether a service provider, LP, actively raising equity or fill in the blank to be in in the network. There is a standard fee, straight up fee. We increase our prices every six to 12 months. So I don't want to go on record and just say it is what it is, right? But if you did want to have a more serious or detailed conversation with me or have me send you some resources, I'm happy to do so. We just put it this way. It's a low five-figure investment. And we think based on the results our clients are getting. It's, uh, I know I'm biased here, but it's really a no-brainer just based on the amount of value you can get back in a short amount of time. Why don't you make it less expensive for passive investors? Because they're not trying to raise capital. They just want to deploy their money. I mean, that's a like great a, question. Uh, kind of <laughs> like a you know similar, but a crowdfunding platform where you get to window shop all the deals. So maybe have 
that as a public facing portal on your platform where it's look at all the great deals that you can invest in as an LP. A decision like that, I would say, is relatively speaking a, a bit out of me just saying yes or no, let's do it. Um, sure I know, man. I'm trying to equip you to go in there, chambered up, ready to go and present this as an option to attract more people to the platform. Well, look, I'll put it this way. It's definitely something to consider, right? I'd be stupid to say that's, that's not a good idea. It's probably something we have thought about in the past. It served us very well to keep raise masters and everything we're doing at raising capital and in a one size fits all format, but who knows? Industries change, businesses change, things change over time, right? So who knows? Maybe one day that will be something that we offer. But I would say if if someone's looking to get a true feel for us and, and how we operate, it might be a bit late by the time you hear this, but literally every year we do a conference called Raise Fest. And you can go to raisefest.com for more information. This year we'll have over a thousand capital raisers in one room, many of the attendees being in our mastermind as well. And so just being able to get direct access to, again, people with, look, I can't go to bat for everyone's deal here either, as you know, right? But generally speaking, people with higher quality deals is, is who, we, who we roll with. So a great way to get a taste for everything that we're working on would be come hang out with us in person, as anyone really doing due diligence should do at some point, and see for yourself what, what we've got going on here. Can anybody go to Raise Fest or do you have to be part of the network? Anybody can come to Race Fest. You can bring your grandma, you can bring whoever you All want. Right, that's cool. It's, bring grandma, please. I'd love to meet her. February 22nd through the 24th, 2024. We'll probably do January, February again the following years. Where is that? Go to racefest.com. All the information is there. What are some of the big takeaways that your members get when they join this mastermind? Let me see if I can nail that down to like the three biggest takeaways. What my day typically looks like is similar to what we're doing now, talking to individuals who are serious about taking this out of their business to the next level. And so out of the, call it 2,000 phone calls that I've done on what's inside of Raise Masters, there's always the metaphor, if you're going to buy the Peloton or whatever, fill in the blank, you're going to buy the gym equipment. If you want to look anything like the guy in the commercial, first step is you actually have to do the workouts. Buy the gym equipment, you let it sit there, you'll be sitting exactly where you're at right now. So with the tools, resources, and connections that we provide for our members, I think number one, I just can't hammer it home enough. There's no network like the one that that we've been able to attract. And so being in a room with some people in the industry that I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with, hanging out in our Slack channel, that's one thing where if you're looking for clarity on What's the next most logical step I should take with my business on the front of raising money? We're able to provide that for you very quickly, whether it's legal guidance, legal support, structuring the deal, even little questions like, you know, people are asking all the time, what bank should we be using right now? Little nuances like that, just being able to provide that clarity within the network is is definitely number one. Number two, look, we have systems, strategies, blueprints that we've used on the private equity side of our company. ASIM Capital to raise a little over 85 million now. And none of that being from one institution or one family office. We're talking about hundreds of accredited investors and beyond. So we have one client, very experienced, very seasoned. I'm sure everyone has heard of him before. They had done what they thought was exhausted their email list and they needed to bring some additional equity across the table. They implemented one template, one strategy from the dozens of templates and, and resources that we provide, which ended up turning into an additional 1.87 million in commitments that they didn't even know was there. What was that strategy? 
Well, I'm not sure what their strategy was up until that point, but basically Hunter was like, look, man, take this template. We have it set up in a way where you, you put it into your own words, send it out to your email list and, and see what happens. And so that's all I know of, of what happened. But I know if you want access to any of those templates, like, again, that's, that's what I'm able to, to kind of give you the keys to. Let's talk about the legality of capital raising. Can you give us a little bit of an overview on how to legally raise capital? I always like to preface this and say, full of disclaimer, in many ways on this front, I'm one step away from the janitor, right? So take everything I say here with a grain of salt. But one of the number one reasons anyone comes knocking on our door is because they want to make sure that they create a future for their family and they're not behind bars. That's got to be, if not number one, number two reasons people come to us. So as far as legal guidance, legal support, we have our own in-house attorney that we use and that we work with on all of our deals, all of our members get access to his wisdom if they so choose. But as you know, every attorney believes their way is the right way. So being able to get a full spectrum on what everyone is seeing, sometimes it's not even the direct support of our attorney. It's, it's just the full spectrum of what people are doing right now that can kind of help give people the confidence to know they're doing this right. Now, just like we were talking about earlier, we, we require, we just can't go to bat for everyone here, right? If we could, I don't know what that would look like, but we're doing everything we can to ensure that if you're going to go this direction, you want to take things to the, to the next level, we're going to do everything we can to give you the information that you need to make sure you're putting your PPMs together or JV agreements, side letter agreements, whatever it may be. We're really bringing it to the next level on that front as far as report. But so, what are some of the keys to making sure you're raising capital legally? I would say if it was up to me, I would say working with our attorney, I mean- he- <laughs> What are some of the pitfalls- that can get you in big trouble when raising capital? Like plain and simple. And I've heard a few people asking questions around this topic lately. And you kind of just hear it in someone's voice when they know it's probably not right. But really raising capital from any form of non-accredited investor, there's obviously ways you can do it. And I know there's some exceptions with 506B and where you can, you can do that. But we make it pretty clear to our members as well. We raise capital on the private equity side of our company, ASIM Capital, specifically from accredited investors. So that's one basic rule of thumb that I think if you're looking to stay out of trouble, if you can be firm on that, and also maybe even keep your minimum investment to, to, to really 50000 at, at the lowest, you're going to be able to weed out a lot of potential challenges later down the line. What about being part of the GP team as a capital raiser? Look, as you know, there's a lot of people doing this wrong right now. And from a very high level, that's what I know. Let's talk specifics. How do I get on to being a GP or co-GP on a deal legally if I am a capital raiser? So I shall be frank with you. These would be the types of questions where if I am receiving this on the front end, I know I'm not in a position to be the one to tell someone how to do this. And so that's where I will lead them or guide them to our attorney or someone in our network who can actually give them the specific answer. We have daily coaching and support as well with people who are doing this daily. And so me personally, I'm just really not equipped to tell someone how to do that. But I have dozens of resources of people who can. So Adam, while things are going well, the capital raisers look like heroes. You take a business owner, a high net worth individual, and they get introduced to a capital raiser who opens up a world of possibilities and high return investments, and the market's good, the returns are good, everything is good. Now we've hit some uncertain times with some economic headwinds. A lot of the brunt 
I would imagine, falls on that capital raiser who brought those passive investors into the deal. How are people handling that? It's like, hey, Adam, wait a minute. You told me that I was going to get 17% annualized on my money, and now the distributions are paused. What's going on? Well, that is true. We are in a time where several people are losing their shirts. Many would argue this is 2008 happening all over again. One thing that we're doing, so we do free live online events pretty frequently. And one that we're doing right now is called the multifamily meltdown. And it's just taking a plain and straightforward look at, as we're looking at the market here in December, 2023, transaction volumes down 80%. Not going to name names, but there's a lot of people who, who are doing a lot of things they probably shouldn't have been doing. So if you could restate that question for me, I'll be able to drive this one home, but you're right. We're definitely sitting at a time where people are getting exposed. And I think that the moral of the story right now is being able to weather the choppy waters ahead. If you can raise $1 now, that's $3 in the next couple of years. So could you restate the question? How are you training these capital raisers to react to customers or clients where their investment's not going as originally intended. So again, I'm sure as you know, Ash, you can never, never over-communicate more during a time like this. One thing that I know that we did very high level on the, again, the private equity side of our company is when, when COVID hit, there was a bunch of questions coming out, right? Like, is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? And I know that we came out with a podcast episode the week after COVID hit saying, is COVID going to ruin everything. Just addressing directly what investors are thinking instead of being quiet, talking about it. If your communication with them was monthly, crank it up to bi-weekly. If it was bi-weekly, crank it up to weekly. If it was weekly, crank it up to daily. I don't know. Maybe you want to feel that one out a little bit, but basically you can never over-communicate enough when a time like now is happening. And a time like now is one of the best times to be on the phone more than maybe you were a year or two years ago. Being in the trenches and letting your investors know that you're in the trenches and you're going to do everything you can to protect their capital. There are certainly people right now who are not doing that. And as the simple phrase goes, communication is key. So I'd say if you're feeling the heat right now, you cannot over-communicate enough to your audience about the reality of the situation. Adam, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Best ever would be, truthfully, to not be afraid to make that financial investment in yourself. And I know I'm here talking about a potential and financial investment for our listeners. But the reason I say that is because I look back to my own personal journey. And when I first met Hunter, that was the first time that I had ever truthfully since college put any type of time, energy, or money into something that I cared about professionally. And that has gone from what was a few thousand dollars at the time to being able to, as we talked about here, impact the lives of over 600 people, help a lot of capital raisers reach results and mountaintops that, again, not trying to take credit, like a lot of these folks are super successful. They're going to get there one way or another, but to, to play a role and facilitate that for them was super rewarding. And so regardless of where you're at in your industry, as soon as you start thinking, you know, it all, you know, nothing and being able to invest in some form of education or something that's going to take your brain to the next level. I just think that's a, a journey that continues for life. And that would be my advice is, whether it's with us or, or anyone that fill in the blank, right? Go for it. Invest in yourself to learn something that maybe you don't know and help you clear out those blind spots and move faster. Adam, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Of course. All right. What's the best ever book you recently read? 
best ever book that I recently read. I'm actually halfway through it right now. It's called Transformations. It really helps you take a look at the power of words in language. I'm looking at every single thing that comes out of my mouth in a whole new spectrum now. And it's been really powerful and helpful. Adam, what's the best ever way that you like to give back? I love helping young entrepreneurs and podcasters uncover things that maybe they're not seeing. Literally half hour before we hopped on here today, I had someone who's a junior in college reach out because he wants to get in commercial real estate. And being able to give him four or five resources that talking to him, I feel as though he, he's definitely going to take action on him. He's 20. I didn't know any of this stuff till I was 26. I'm 32 now. It's just so rewarding to be able to help a hungry young person that just wants to get to the next level faster. Adam, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? Best way is email. Shoot me an email, adam at raisingcapital.com. And if you listen to the show, just to hammer it home. And that way I know you are here with me and Ash. Make the subject line of that email when you email me, put Ash is the man. And I'll know you came from the show. You're not going to get very many emails probably. Listen, Adam, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much for your time today. Sharing your story where basketball was your starting point, And now you are working with Hunter Thompson, promoting an educational platform, empowering a lot of capital raisers. So thank you for your time today. Thank you, Ash. Appreciate it. Best ever listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share this podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Also, follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.